And welcome everyone, Friday, February 9th, 2024, to another edition, another episode, another session we'll have you, of Real Talk. And tonight, on this wonderful, cold night, we're going to warm the blood, get the mind stimulated, and we're going to be discussing the 2000 movie American Psycho. This is a movie and a first book published by Brett Easton Ellis, and it was very controversial when it first came out. And I do think over time it has, um, the controversy has died down. It's been, wow, it's crazy. It has been 24 years since the release of American Psycho. And we're going to be diving into a lot of that tonight. So if you enjoy movies, you enjoy diving into movies of the past, present, and perhaps even the future. You never know. You're tuning in to the right station, the right show, Real Talk on 92.5 WLSD AM 1220 and WLSDRadio.com. You can also check out this show on several of the social media platforms, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. The other people's show. And, um, yeah, thank you very much for that. So it's going to be a fun show tonight. We're going to be talking about American Psycho, which is about a wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman, excuse me. As he hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers, friends, fiancé, and he delves deeper into his violent, hedonic fantasies and murderous spree. That's what we're going to be discussing that movie. Um, so yeah, this is the what you would say. This would be the definition of a cult classic film. Because upon release, it was a, a sizable hit film financially. That it was, but also it didn't really break out, uh, nor did I really think you know, anyone really expected it to. Now, I really did think, honestly, that it would break out. Now, this is right at the dawn. I don't want to say the dawn because the internet had been around for you know, quite some time. But this was when the internet was being used to market films um, you know, in a in a big way. Blair Witch had happened in uh, 1999. American Psycho was in the year 2000. So, uh, you know, the internet and the use of computers and such was a huge uh, thing back in the day, as they often do say. I really don't like to say that because, but I just said that. But anyway, so as we get into a little bit of the facts of this film. 
we're going to be uncovering and un, you know it's like a layer. There are many many layers to this film, so we're going to go down the rabbit hole, but we're also going to ask and answer the questions that we often talk about on the show. So we had the director Mary Haran. Now she was mainly known at the time. Hey Adam, how's it going? Good. We have Adam dropping by. Uh, but yeah, Mary Haran, she was an independent movie director. She had really only directed one movie before. It was a small movie called I Shot Andy Warhol, uh, starring Stephen uh, Dorff. Stephen Dorff. A young Stephen Dorff. And it got kind of uh, popular on the, uh, the Hollywood, not really the Hollywood circuit, but the film festival circuit. So it gave her a little bit of clout within the industry. And she was brought the book uh, by Christian Bale, who wanted to play Patrick Bateman. So it was set up with this little studio, Lionsgate, which Lionsgate now is not what Lionsgate Films was uh, back then. Lionsgate now, you know, is you know all the Saw movies, and they have all been financial successes. Have been released through Lionsgate Films. And they have a, a horror movie uh, uh, division. And it's you know pretty much a studio entity amongst itself. At this time, it wasn't. Leonardo DiCaprio showed interest in playing Patrick Bateman. Now, you have to understand, this was right after Titanic happened in 1997, and then The Man in the Iron Mask, which actually was uh, shot before Titanic, released... Uh, as Titanic was still in theaters, so that was collecting quite a bit of box office as well. So Leonardo was, at the time, in the highest grossing movie of all time, Titanic. And, uh, you know, uh, adjusted for, uh, you know, inflation and such, still holds the one of the records. It still might be Gone with the Wind, but I think Titanic did actually overtake that as well once it's adjusted. That being said, Leo, uh, I like to call him Leo, <laughs> no, I really don't. So Leonardo actually had his choice of any script that he wanted to do. And the price tag of said script, he would be paid $21 million. So Oliver Stone, the director, the director of uh, JFK, uh, Natural Born Killers, um, Any Given Sunday, Savages, uh, Born on the Fourth of July, Platoon, things like this. I don't think uh, um, so. Oliver Stone was going to come aboard as director. So you've got a young Leonardo DiCaprio, probably, you know, to be honest with you, right around the age of Christian Bale because they're about the same age. But at the time, you know, it seemed like Christian Bale was a little more mature-looking uh, for his age, although both were, as everyone knows, uh, child actors and child stars. And this is how we get a little bit into how Christian Bale and Mary Haran were hired to do the movie, then fired in favor of Leonardo and Oliver Stone, Leonardo's people and him, they decided it wasn't the right project for him. 
So him and Oliver Stone dropped out. And back on was Christian Bell and Mary Haran. And she was a perfect director for this, uh, for the novel. Because the novel had a lot of uh, 80s excess, uh, misogynistic points of view from Patrick Bateman, who is the central character. Uh, he's a sociopath, so he's not a very, very likable, narcissistic person. And it, it actually helped with the controversy that she was actually a female director directing such misogynistic violent film because she was able to put put it into like a, a context of a satire which I think if you read read the book which I've read the book it it does come across that way but not as much as the film and I think the film does a better job at conveying this uh, than the book I did read the book in college but it wasn't for college I was taking a uh, sociology class, very easy class. Um, got an A plus with flying colors, and uh, it, it wasn't anything that I really needed to study for. I could read the the, la the lesson, uh, come up with the uh, you know the group assignments, do the presentation. Not a not a big deal. So I read this book throughout that class for about a week, I guess, maybe as. Uh, a little longer. It was a tough read. Very tough read. But when I realized that they were going to make a movie, it's actually when I think I, I'd read the book, to be honest with you. But I can't remember now looking back. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, director Mary Haran, she uh, had shot, I shot Andy Warhol. And after that, she had really only done uh, American Psycho and then she went into episodic television. She's directed things such as Oz, Six Feet Under, which is an amazing show, Big Love, and the Kevin Bacon show, The Following, amongst others. In uh, this this film, you know, it has a great cast. We've got uh, Christian Bell, Justin Theroux, Josh Lucas, Chloe Sevigny, Reese Witherspoon, Samantha Mathis, Jared Leto, and Willem Dafoe. As Dr. Kimball. Not Dr. Kimball. Donald Kimball. Excuse me. Dr. Kimball is, uh, I think, Harrison Ford's character from, uh, what's the movie called? I can't think of it. I, it's just escaped my mind. Live on air. I'm ashamed. It'll come to me throughout the show. But this has an amazing cast. We've got Christian Bale. He said, uh, I don't want to get into this yet because it's in the facts. But uh, he's great as Patrick Bateman. Now, Christian Bale was in Newsies as a kid. It was in, I think it was like, like an early 90s Disney movie where he, he played like a paper boy. And I vaguely remember seeing the trailers for that and thinking that's not anything that I would ever be interested in. But I did notice, remember seeing him, uh, Empire of the Sun. He was in that as a kid. And, you know, we know what he's been in since then. But this was one of his breakout roles. You know, he was in a movie called Metro. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's been several, several things that he has done. 
I'm trying to think. There's a really good movie with him and Kate Beckinsale and Francis McDormand. And it's a very underrated movie. Uh, most people haven't heard of it. I can't think of the name of that either. But it is on Tubi. So you could just type in his name, Christian Bale, Kate Beckinsale, and Francis McDormand. But back to American Psycho. So you've got Justin Thoreau. Now, if you don't know that name, you may know some of the projects he has been involved in. He actually was in a few... Uh, he was in like a storyline on Six Feet Under for a while. He has uh, he dated Jennifer Aniston for a while. He also co-wrote Tropic Thunder, and he was the villain in Charlie's Angels. I know he's the villain in the second one. I don't think he's in the first one. That's Crispin Glover, but he's in the second one. So that's Justin Thoreau, Josh Lucas. Now all the all the other parts other than uh, Patrick Bateman, they're kind of small roles. But they're all up-and-coming actors and actresses at this point, all in one film. And that's one reason they were able to get them, because they they didn't get their regular asking fee, which was you know probably a couple of hundred thousand to maybe a couple of million, maybe. I mean, Willem Dafoe at that point might have been able to pull a couple million, but from this film, they all got scale. And if you're wondering what that is, that's the bare minimum that... Uh, SAG actor or actress can get paid. So I think it was like 1800 a week, something like that. So it wasn't like they were making nothing, but they weren't making what they could have been making with bigger projects. Um, so there's what it is. So let's get into a little bit of facts about American Psycho. So if you've seen this film, you know, or even read the book, you know that Patrick Bateman has a strict regiment and routine every single morning, every single day. Before he puts his tape, his cassette, in the Walkman and listens to Katrina and the Waves, he does his regimen, his routine, washing his face, putting on the mask, his workout, his breakfast, everything, his suit. But during production, Christian Bale followed the morning routine that his character, Patrick Bateman, describes towards the beginning of the film. And if you've seen that move, this movie and you've seen that part, there's a lot of parts within the book where the way he's describing his um, you know, body wash and the soap and I could do a thousand stomach crunches now. When he says these things... In the movie, there's a lot more of that in the book. A lot more description. A lot more talking about getting people mixed up with other people because they're dressed so much alike and wear you know the same watch or the same shoes or have a very similar haircut. But Christian Bale followed all the morning routine that his character does. Also, while looking for a way to create the character of Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale stumbled upon a Tom Cruise appearance on The Late Show with David Letterman in 1993. According to the co-writer and director, Christian Bale saw Cruise this quote very intense with this very intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. End quote. 
and Bale based the character on that. Interestingly enough, Tom Cruise is actually featured in the novel of American Psycho, which came out in 1991. In the, in the novel of Psycho, Christian uh, Patrick Bateman and Tom Cruise live in the, name, the same uh, apartment complex. And they meet each other in the elevator, and uh, Patrick Bateman gets the name of the movie Cocktail wrong and calls it Bartender in the elevator. But that is not in the movie. How would that have worked in the movie? That would have been interesting. I don't really think Tom Cruise would have done that, to be honest. I, I don't. He would do like the cameo role in Tropic Thunder, but I don't think he he would do that. Not in American Psycho, especially back then. But he was shooting. Uh, he was probably shooting Eyes Wide Shut down at, at this time. So this is also an interesting thing about Christian Bell, and it shows how intense and how seriously he takes the craft of acting. During the shooting of the film, Christian Bale spoke in an American accent all the time, on set and off set. At the rap party, when he began to speak in his native British accent, many of the cast and crew thought he was speaking that way for another film. They thought that he was an American throughout the entire film. So that takes dedication. Dedication and working with an acting coach and practicing and speaking. And he did the same thing with Batman. He said whenever he would meet children uh, that came up to him uh, and acknowledged him as Batman, that he would always speak with them in an American accent. So that means at the drop of a hat, at the, at the turn of a record, at the press of a button, he can switch on and off these accents. But I wonder if it's, it's any accent, or is it just the American and British? That, that's a very interesting thing, though. So, another interesting thing, as you've heard throughout the show, the single biggest cost on the film was purchasing the rights to the various songs used throughout the film. This is an example of one of them. And this was an interesting thing that I really did not know, is that the vast majority of the dialogue in this movie is taken word for word from the novel. And it's, can you guess who it's from? I said earlier in the show, you will get a prize if you win this, if you guess it correctly. It's Brett Easton Ellis. Give yourself a pat on the back if you got that right. Brett Easton Ellis, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, also has a tie-in to another novel to screen adaptation. Actually, two more. Three at least three more, but one starring Robert Downey Jr. So if you know what film that is, send me a message on the Other People Show on Facebook, and I will I will uh, give you something. I really will. The question being, what 
Brett Easton Ellis novel was trans transferred to film, you know, adapted to screen, starring Robert Downey Jr. So anyway, this had a budget of $7 million. And like I was kind of mentioning earlier, that it would have been uh, a $40 million production had Leonardo and Oliver Stone jumped on board. Now, I do think Leonardo went on to do The Beach, which I like The Beach. That's actually one of my favorite Leonardo movies. I'm not saying... When I say it's one of my favorite, I'm not even saying that's his best acting of any movie that I've ever seen him in, which would have to be What's Eating Gilbert Grape, by far. But The Beach... Is a solid movie. And I will vouch for that. And we, we did an episode on that. Uh, actually, it was the the web-only episode. Webisode of that. But it cost $7 million. The beach ended up costing, to be honest, it had a budget of around $40. Uh, but the American Psycho in the United States made about $15 million and about $34 million worldwide. So it was a success. It made its money back. It wasn't a home run, as they say, but it was a solid single, maybe even a double. You know, and it brought awareness to this film studio that was brave enough to release the Brett Easton Ellis novel and book, America, uh, movie, American Psycho. And those of you that do know the movie, uh, Hip to Be Square is uh, prominently featured in a, in a key scene in the film of American Psycho. 68% of those critics that are sometimes rotten uh, were positive on the movie as 85% of audience score also. And if you're interested in the IMDb Internet Movie Database, it's got a 7.6%. So I was actually fortunate enough to see American Psycho in theaters. I traveled over to the newly opened, uh, I think it had been opened maybe two years, uh, Tinseltown in Bristol. And I went on one afternoon to watch the movie American Psycho. Did It wasn't really what I expected, to be honest with you. It really wasn't. But I didn't dislike it. And over time, with me, and as with a lot of people, it grew and grew and grew. And now it's this huge cult-like uh, movie. And a lot of Christian Bell followers and uh, fans know it. And that's one good thing. You know, kind of if you, if you have like a hit song, hit album, or a hit movie, or even a string of hit movies or novels, sometimes that bleeds over. And those new fans go back and rediscover or discover for the first time things from your past, films from your past, songs that you've released early in your career, maybe the first novel that didn't get the recognition that it deserved. A lot of those fans are going back now and you know rediscovering those just because you have a hit movie or hit song. And this song, uh, Phil Collins, Susudio, is uh, featured prominently 
in American Psycho as well. So basically, the plot of this movie is that it's there's no real beginning, middle, and end as far as a you know there there's there's a climax at the end of the film, but it's not it doesn't follow the three act structure as most movies do, and neither does the book because he's not in pursuit of anything other than more other than for other people to think he's better and he gets no happiness from any of these things now it really doesn't ever come to the point or say why he is a successful or wealthy investment banker and you rarely ever see him doing work now there's a few times when he is at the um, you know at his office talking to Donald Kimball and things like that but no one knows of his alternate side. They only know Patrick Bateman. And really, you come to find out that most of his, quote, friends, or even his lawyer and things like that, think he's a doofus. Because each one of these people in this film are almost interchangeable. Except where all the others seem shallow and narcissistic and, uh, you know, no real misogynistic, and they have no real redeeming qualities. Patrick Bateman has those qualities to a certain extent, but he's hiding those qualities. He has a facade, just like the mask that he's peeling away. And he's showing these homicidal tendencies to no one but those that he inflicts pain upon. So that's basically the film. And he does wrap it up nicely at the end and gives this little monologue about, about how this confession means nothing. So let's dive a little bit into the questions that we often ponder. So like I said, I just went over the plot and the story. You could agree with me or disagree, but I think that I am correct on this thing. There's no real plot. It's just showing you day-to-day -day life and the activities of in the, in the life of Patrick Bateman. A little side bit. Uh, Rules of Attraction was another Brett Easton Ellis novel to film. Not the one with Robert Downey Jr. But Patrick Bateman had a brother named Sean Bateman played by James Vanderbeek in Rules of Attraction, which is actually a very good movie. Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman shot scenes for that movie as Patrick Bateman. However, they were never used. Interesting tidbit there. So as I said, you've got the characters that I named earlier. I mean, you've got Patrick Bateman, Timothy Bryce, Craig, Gene, Evelyn, Courtney, Paul, Donald. Now, none of those characters really mean anything. Willem Dafoe as Donald Kimball. He's the only outsider of the group. He's an officer trying to find out about the disappearance of Paul Allen. I happen to live in uh, Paul Allen's old apartment. 
his old apartment. Uh, but yeah, everyone else is within that world of excess. Uh, more, more, more. Being concerned about certain things that no one else that isn't self-absorbed or wanting more or greedy, narcissistic, would care about. Uh, favorite scene or least favorite scene? Now, this is a different, not different, this is a difficult thing, kind of. Because there are so many good scenes and so many good monologues. After the opening at the restaurant, there's going to be spoiler alerts. So from here on out, just assume that with every show. I'll try to say it just in case you're listening, uh, you know, live and want to cut out for a second or on the, you know, on the podcast or whatever. But after the opening restaurant scene, when he's doing his voiceover, which is one of the most effective voiceovers in cinema, it's one of the top ten. But he's doing the voiceover and he's telling about his daily routine, why he does it. That's one of a one of many great scenes. There's another scene, a very intense scene, where he is, um, you know, talking about the cards. Everyone has like their little. Let me have your card. It has your business num- name, number. Address. He works at Pierce and Pierce. And the color of his card is bone. But everyone else seems to like Ben Patton's card better. Or Bryce. I don't think it's Bryce. And they also like Paul Allen's card better too. Let's see Paul Allen's card. So that's presented. And then his voiceover, what's going on in his mind, is so upset, so angry, that he's that he's sweating, that he drops the card that he's showing, that he's holding of Paul Allen, Paul Allen's. Because Paul Allen's card in his mind is better. As is Paul Allen's apartment. So I really hope that he doesn't come after me. Because I have Paul Allen's old apartment. Mr. Bateman, please, please, don't come after me. Um, that's a really good scene. There's, uh, I like the scenes with Donald Kimball and Mr. Bateman. It's a good dialogue back and forth. Uh, Patrick Bateman is trying to give the appearance that he is cooperating with Donald Kimball. And is going to give him the details about last time he saw Paul Allen. That's a great scene. There's many great scenes where he is discussing and telling uh, some ladies of the night about Huey Lewis in the News, Susudio, Whitney Houston. And those are some of the great uh, scenes as well. So this is just really a film film. I mean, there's not much filler as some movies do. Every scene is important and shows some deep 
deep-seated things within this character of Patrick Bateman. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the good things about this movie is because a lot of movies, sometimes they do put in filler. And this movie has none of that. None of that. It trims the fat, and it's a lean movie. And each scene is needed. So I don't want to give, a, you know, I don't really have a least favorite scene when he's chasing the lady with a chainsaw around his apartment building. Does that really happen? Doesn't it happen? Does or doesn't it? Sorry. My mouth gets dry during the show. And the thing is, I I never, ever bring enough drinks. I never really bring enough drinks in here. And I know every time, but I, I just don't. I don't. Um, the score and the music, I mean, it does have great score. We've heard quite a bit of the, uh, you know, the soundtrack, the songs that are on it. And that's why the budget was so high. You know, $7 million, a lot was to buy license to these songs. Because I'm sure a lot of these people might not have wanted their songs to be associated with the movie American Psycho. Especially at the time. Because you didn't know that it was going to be a big hit movie. Well, a, a hit movie. You didn't know that it was going to be that you didn't know that Mr. Bale was going to go on and do, you know, the prestige, the Batman franchise, and, you know, things like that. You just didn't. The Fugitive is that Harrison Ford movie I was talking about earlier in the movie or show that I couldn't re uh, remember. Now, when uh, Mr. Bale is uh, talking about and explaining the greatest love of all is a great because he's about to murder these women but he's playing this new CD and talking about her career and her life so passionately are these Patrick Bateman's true these his true passions or is this what he thinks that they want to hear and it is a little bit comical because a lot of the times nowadays, these songs make me think of the scenes from the movie. Especially the uh, Susudio as well. Listen to Whitney for just a moment. So yeah, that was uh, that was a little bit of Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. It does have a good score. It does have good music to it. Uh, I was thinking earlier when I was thinking of the movie, uh, the music on the movie, is that you know back in the '90s and not not, not as much in the early 2000s, this might have been a hit soundtrack. Just, but I don't know if the '80s nostalgia was around right when the when this movie hit. But this does have a lot of great 80s tracks. You've got Phil Collins, Whitney Houston, New Order, Huey Lewis, Katrina and the Waves, um, Simply Irresistible, which is Robert Palmer. So you've got a lot of these classic 80s songs. Belinda Carlisle. So 
yeah, it's it's a good soundtrack, and uh, I think you enjoy it. And, and a lot of these songs are staples in your lives anyway. They're they're often played on '80s and '90s uh, stations, and they were hit songs beforehand. But this is kind of like a collection of hits uh, from the '80s that happen to be on the soundtrack to American Psycho. So originality, I would give this movie a very original. It's it's pretty original. There have been imitators. Um, not like overtly imitation, but you can seek some out, and they were very, you know, trying to be less on the nose about social issues or satiric issues dealing with characters as Mr. Bateman. And after this, there were a lot more narcissistic characters in cinema as well. Uh, the poster, it's, it's, you know, there's a couple different ones, but the main poster is Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman in a suit. He's got a ref, uh, he's got a knife, and there's a reflection of himself slightly in the knife, and he's got a serious look on his face, and it says "Killer Looks," and that is the tagline: "Killer Looks." So, if you don't know anything about, if you have no idea of the previous history or the knowledge of this. Uh, book, you might look at the the cover or the poster and think this is just a straight out, maybe a slasher flick, maybe a serial killer, something along those kind of lines when it's nothing of the sort. He kills, on-screen kills, there's very few, and most that, that are on-screen, he shoots them. A couple, you know, a couple at the end, I think there's about four or five maybe at the end. But it doesn't show many on the screen. You know, he stabs this one uh, homeless guy in the street, and then it alludes to the fact that he's done that, and he has said that he has killed maybe 40 or 50 people. But we never see that on screen, and you're left to wonder, did he really do this? Did Or is all this in his mind, and he's totally losing control? You know what I mean? Now, I know my take on it. And if you've seen the movie, you've got your take on it. And you can watch interviews and uh, synopsis and uh, you know discussions and all these kind of things about it. But it's your own. It's, it's your own. So whatever you think about this is really what happens. So it's very open-ended. Uh, would I recommend this movie? Yeah, I would recommend this movie. But I wouldn't, rec- this, I wouldn't recommend this movie to just anyone. This is not a movie that I think the general population would seek out on their own. They might now, because they can look it up and read reviews and just like I said, go on YouTube and you know look at the analysis of American Psycho. But that's the easy way. Come up with your own opinion by watching the film. You can watch it as a commentary on many different things. And you can also watch it as a film to be, uh, you know, explored and delved into. I think this is a, a great performance by Christian Bale. I think that his uh, depiction of Patrick Bateman is exactly what I had in my mind when I read the novel, even more so. And this was when I think he really was brought to the public's attention. And a lot, and especially Hollywood. 
He was mainly doing independent films such as this one as well. It was an independently financed film. But after this, things started opening up. So he started doing uh, you know, more things like that. So yeah, I would definitely check that out. Uh, I've got the DVD. I'm not sure where it's streaming. So as anyone came up with, now I've not been able to check any of the uh, social medias. So I'm going to timestamp this where I'm giving the answer at 10.43. The Brett Easton Ellis book that was turned into a movie starring Robert Downey Jr., Gina Gertz was less than zero. It also had Andrew McCarthy as well. It's a 1987 film, and it has, um, what's his name? James Spader as well. It's, it's a good movie. Check it out. So thank you for joining me tonight on this journey down the road of the discussion, see my mouth is getting dry, of the discussion of American Psycho on Real Talk. Now next week, there's a couple of different things we could do. 30 Days of Night is something that a lot of people have been asking for, so I'm going to go ahead and do that soon. But do you all want 30 Days of Night next week, or a comedy, a comedy, because we've not really done much of straight out comedies, have we? So you all decide. 30 Days of Night or a comedy. It could be a 2000. It could be recent. It could be, you know, up to you all. You can leave those kind of messages and more on any of our social media pages. That is the TikTok Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, the other people's show. Thank you for tuning in tonight on 92.5 WLSD AM 1220 or WLSDRadio.com. Now stay tuned. There's going to be a fun, the other people's show, uh, turning in or turning up, whatever you want to say, in just a few moments. Now, there are a few things that that's going to be discussed. Um, like I said last week, we are going to be having some guests on, some new things happening, some exciting things going to be going on within the next four to five weeks. So stay tuned for that. But you all have a good night.